of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Yeah, you're very welcome along uh, to this Tuesday night. We have a packed show uh, today. We're going to talk cycling. Um, and if you're not interested in cycling, you might just be interested in somebody from Eritrea winning a stage at the Giro. Uh, it's a really, really crazy story. And the drama didn't end, actually, uh, after the race, as, as we will soon discuss uh, with Colin Milani here. Later on, we'll be joined by Michael Dignan to discuss 12,500 people watching uh, Offaly v Leash in the Leinster Hurling uh, Championship minor final last night in Port Leash. Big win for Offaly. And I imagine Michael will be quite passionate about that and um, the chairperson of the Offaly County Board now will also be joined by Cahill Dennehy who will be talking about um, Irish Athletics it's a very interesting article in the Examiner today all is not rosy despite some recent successes and uh, then we will have Graeme Hunter uh, talking a little bit of football later on the show so we have a packed show coming up tonight how are you Cahill? I'm very well Johnny how are you? Um, I'm good how was your weekend been? Good. how was it into the week yeah good yeah uh, GA focused weekends obviously now with the championship in full swing and uh, we've got a whopper of a sporting weekend coming up not this weekend the weekend after we've got the Heineken Champions Cup the Champions League final on that Saturday four provincial finals in the GA go United Cork City and massive that, I was clash. just getting to that yeah 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 yeah, so, um, um, yeah it's, I mean it's a great time of year isn't it well, I mean, if you're from Westmead, it's a good time to uh, be from Westmead. I think Adrian Barry, it's it's a particularly good time to be a Westmead hurling fan. Yeah, amazing. Howdy, lads. How are you keeping? Hey, Adrian. Um, yeah, look at uh, Carl uh, Sligo Man. You're probably less so, Johnny, given you've been plenty of fortunes over the last few years. You've, uh, plenty to crow about. We probably have less so. And uh, definitely, I mean, as surprising as anything, I watched the highlights on uh, the Sunday game on Sunday night. Great commentator, um, actually. Great commentator, really great commentator. Yeah. And I can't be too critical. It just strikes me of the package now, given who's in our company. Um, <laughs> but it was a shame that there wasn't full-on cameras there to get a proper view of it. Like I, and Kyle probably had a, had a hand in this. Uh, obviously, they were showing a lot of replays because it was hard to see what was happening with the um, first run of the scores because of the quality of the cameras or whatever. But look, and there was a couple of, from what you could tell, a couple of fairly... Let's go, we call them fortuitous goals. Um, and look, at it all helps. And, and uh, you know, the manager was making the point afterwards that it'll be all for nothing unless they do the job against a team they should be doing the job against next weekend against Leash so um, yeah but look here we'll take whatever's going I was at Crow Park on Sunday and we will happily take whatever's going Johnny on the basis of that sort of stuff yeah it might be all for nothing uh, Carl but it's still like if you were there that's a momentous momentous occasion um, To like Galway got a draw against Wexford Westmead did the exact same thing a few weeks later and you have veteran then like nabbing the goal basically the last puck yeah, yeah, absolutely. The manner of the draw as well was just remarkable with that long ball in and, and Derek McNicholas getting the, the final touch in, into the net. But I, I think Adrian's right. I mean, the, if you were to ask uh, Westmead at the start of the campaign is if it's a case of retaining their Lee McCarthy status or pulling a big result and getting relegated, I think they, they definitely want to retain their status. So mm. it comes down to this weekend. But the, it's great for the promotion of hurling uh, in that county and it gives a great lift because it shows that they're capable of competing at the top level with the bigger counties. And obviously Wexford were one of the foreign teams in the country earlier on in the season uh, under Dar Egan in the league. And then you see last night with the Leinster minor hurling final, the crowd that was at that between Leash and Offaly and uh, you know that further illustrates the power of the game I guess in that part of the country uh, like last night Adrian we'll talk about it Michael Dignan but 12,500 people of a Monday and uh, possibly even more uh, unofficially there at, at, a, at a hurling game to unleash and Offaly and how long both counties were starved for success even at minor level 
Yeah, absolute class. I think the uh, obviously footballers as well, and for uh, for their haircuts apart from anything else, have done a lot <laughs> to capture the imagination of uh, the GA sporting public over the last twelve months. And like I, you know, I don't know if you saw the footage afterwards, but they were in the dressing room singing whatever the awfully anthem was. Uh, the awfully rover. It, was it the awfully rover? Mm. It wasn't the most sort of rousing rendition. I'm not going to lie to you, Johnny, that I've ever seen. It was uh, missing a bit of bit of oomph about it or something but Michael Dagner was in there and he was definitely giving it socks and like look at the job that he's done he seems to have just gone in there with like none of the baggage of maybe a lot of people that find themselves in those positions in terms of you know uh, it's never going to be the highlight of Michael Dagner's sporting career let's face it like when he's achieving the game and his profile and all that sort of stuff and he seems to have gone in there with a clean slate and you listen to uh, Tomas O'Shea was on OTBIM during the week uh, last week and he was talking about you know when the call comes through you know like even Michael Dignan having the, I mean, it's not quite bravery, but cojones to pick up the phone to Tommaso Shea and say, here, listen, we've got something special going on here. We think you might be able to add something to it. What do you think? Like, it's just a very impressive individual. And um, I don't know, look, he's been there relatively short time in terms of the success that's coming now at underage grade. So he'd probably tell you himself later on that he's not necessarily going to take a huge amount of credit for that. But certainly the structures, I think there's loads of teams, including uh, our own, that could take a bit of a leaf out of that book. Yeah, the news round is brought to you uh, with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. How does somebody from Sligo get into Hurling? How do you spread the gospel around? The, the, Hurling is at once the greatest sport in the world in many respects. It's also, not even like globally, but within Ireland, it's totally, totally underspread. So how do we change that? Well, from a Sligo point of view, Sligo have been on a really upward trajectory. And Managed by Bally Garman. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, they, they're in the Christie Ring Cup now. And I think I think Larry McCarthy, the GA president, has has been talking about obviously the Talton Cup in recent days and that potential of that competition to revitalise cer- certain counties and to get a run at a time of the year when the GA is really in the national mindset I guess and to play in Crow Park and big summer days and the tier championships and hurling have definitely done that mm. in that there's definitely a defined path for counties to progress uh, they have to acknowledge the certain level that they're at at a certain stage in their development we've mentioned awfully like I mean their their minor hurling success last night but they've fallen down the grades at senior level but they do see a path to get back to where they should be which is at the upper end and they've done so in the league and in the tiered championship system as well and there's no doubt about it that the opportunity to play in Crow Park in your Nicky Rackard finals and your Christy Ring Cup finals definitely is something that younger hurlers in counties that aren't so-called traditional hurling counties can aspire to. So that's a way forward. And I know there's a huge amount of coaching work obviously going on as well. well like, so Ken Max did a very interesting article today in the Times about this, Adrian, just about like, you know, the, the Talchin Cup and it, it it's not necessarily getting off to a great start in terms of some aspects of the draw and promotion and so on and so forth. But like... And, and this has been said before, at club level, if you win a junior title, if you win an intermediate title, it means so much to the club involved. It doesn't matter necessarily that it's not senior. And I don't see why Intercounty can't go the same way and give something for our counties to, to actually uh, fight for. Because this nonsense about the provincial romance of the provincial system, I mean, the provincial system has been obsolete for years. Mm. Uh, I think that... Uh... I think that you certainly like listening to players from counties over the last t- 20 years who wouldn't have been in, within an arse's door been able to win the All-Ireland title, like talking about how they always wanted to set out the year with some sort of a vested interest in Sam Maguire. It's been clear for a long period of time that that system wasn't right uh, and that something needed to be done with it and, you know, that probably the decisions around it needed to be taken out of the hands of 
active teams because like what else are they going to say even though they mm. know it's not right ultimately what else are they going to say like whether the Charlton Cup is exactly the answer to that we we really don't know yet and like there are concerns about it and I think that's fair enough I saw there was some chat today about like the timing of it and whether it should be before the All-Ireland Final and the GA president was saying well look I actually not, don't, to be honest. I think, like, I, I, I agree. I, yeah, because I mean, there's too many, too much of demand. So if Dublin and Mayo are playing an All Ireland final, for example, how do you throw in another game, any other game, on top of the senior level? I would totally agree. I would totally agree. And look, as we know, they can sell that game out, and and that has to be. Look, at I know there's been plenty of conversations on this channel and others over the last forty eight hours as well. Like that has to be a factor, obviously, in terms of trying to be been able to bring in that money, and uh, and that's that's fair enough. I also think, Johnny, like I think that. You know, for one of the biggest conversations around the Talton Cup at the minute is, you know, teams' abilities to be able to keep players involved uh, now that they're out of the championship. So, like, what can Westmead do to keep players involved now? Uh, you know, the draws been made, obviously, that maybe focuses mind, minds a little bit. They can't go and play if they wanted to go to the US. They can't go and play with other clubs officially, anyway. Um, so, but I so the so the Talton Cup final will be two weeks before the All Ireland, and for me, that makes sense. You know, you can nearly say, look, and maybe you couldn't run it off any quicker than that, but it probably does make sense to get it run off. Like, it doesn't have the promise of the All-Ireland. You're going back to your squad and saying, right, let's give this a bash now for the next two months or whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. And I think you will get buy-in on that basis. Um, and, like, it, there's just, there's so much, um, there's been a lot of criticism, but we just don't know. We'll see what happens over the next couple of months. Like, if a team that goes full bore into it and is speaking very positively about it and is playing really well um, goes ahead and wins the thing, and that'll be a bit of a benchmark for everybody else. But like, if you end up with a load of teams who've players that have just sort of decided they don't want in and they've better things to do with their lives, if you end up with a huge narrative around that sort of stuff, it can get away from you quickly. Yeah, and we've seen that with Down as well, and it's actually Down were yeah. featuring in yeah. the, 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 the. It's but, interesting, Colin, because like intercounty for years and years and years, you played for your club, you represented the county, but it wasn't the professionalism it is now, where basically it takes over your life. Yeah. You need an end goal in the summer. You need to be playing football in the summer at some level for your county. Yeah, and that's the opportunity that the Talton Cup provides to so many players. And you mentioned um, Down that the initial mood music from Down wasn't great in terms mm. of the Talton Cup, but I read some quotes from uh, their captain yesterday and I think they've come around to the idea of playing in it and also the fact like I, I think the Talton Cup has a huge amount of potential for a number of reasons but the, particularly from next year when it gets into the round robin mm. and there are groups and teams get a couple of games at the height of summer against opposition that, of a similar level and one of the most important things for counties is weaker counties is in recent years they're knocked out of the championship early and they're done whereas the stronger counties have two or three months extra together where they can train, they can develop... And improve. A sti- exactly. Yeah. A style of play in good weather. So this gives teams to do that. And I think for counties, for example, that maybe don't play in Crow Park every year or every five years or every ten years, if they get to a semi-final, for example, in the Talchon Cup, they get to play in Crow Park, they get on a bit of a run, they can take that momentum into the following year. The management team can say, well, we've got something here to build on. And then that's how you build up. And if you feel you're good enough to get into the All-Ireland Series and into the Sam Maguire Championship, you have got a clear defined pathway uh, to get into it. So I think definitely, given the early indications from most of the managers and most of the panels, I think the Talton Cup has a huge amount of uh, potential. And I think it should be given an opportunity this year to thrive in the space that it's in. And then we can assess after the competition is held 
where it's at and how it can give, give it time improve. as exactly. well. Give it exactly. time, and yeah. I think we need to see more relevant games between counties of a similar standard and bring them to Co Park and showcase their talent. Um, we want to show you a photo here. This is from uh, the, the final stage of the Giro today, if we have it, uh, the Giro d'Italia, where history was made. Um, so this is the winner, Biniam Germay. Um, he's the first black African cyclist to win a, a stage at any of essentially the major uh, tournaments. And as he's crossing the line, um, the, the Dutch cyclist who finished second, uh, I'll, I'll get his name now, who was a young Dutch cyclist, um, essentially puts up his thumb to celebrate with him. Um, Matthew van der Poel after this really really epic finish really and a lot of the time when you watch cycling call I think the camera angle at the finish is awful like it's like yeah. watching a horse race head on you have yeah. no clue who's in front but um, Germay was in front so he's from Eritrea now I, I had to check up on this today Eritrea is basically the North Korea of Africa it's a really really um, you know autocratic regime where everyone's enlisted into the military and so on very very poor broke away from Ethiopia in the 80s or 90s but it's a mecca for cycling in Africa and uh, so Benjamin Germay um, he's really emotional afterwards and then to add even more layers to the story he unpops the champagne and uh, the cork hits him in the eye and he has to go to hospital I, yeah. I did not make any of this up it is no that that is true it is a bizarre story in many ways but it is a good news story isn't it in it terms of his breakthrough uh, to win stage 10 isn't it of Giro d'Italia uh, today but the, the finish you mentioned I thought that was a lovely gesture from the, the Match Dutch writer Paul, coming, yeah. Yeah, to, because you're just so exhausted at that stage and he had exerted so much energy obviously to try and win and he knew the significance of the moment mm. to give the little bit of a thumbs up and let uh, Benny and Germay have, have his moment. And it, it's it's always kind of, um, you know, it's bemused me looking at cycling, Adrian, how, you know, it's so white-centric and you don't get many um, black cyclists, effectively. And I'm sure there are a myriad of reasons for that, but to have, like, Eritrea, people in Eritrea have sporting heroes like this guy, um, it's just amazingly profound, I think. I'd love to know why in a country that is so poor, one of the poorest countries in the world, uh, and one man dictatorship that's been in place since 1993 with no elections. The best dictatorships. Um, and no independent judicial system. Like, obviously, a, clearly a despot regime. Mm. How is cycling flourishing so much? It's more, it's as popular, if not more popular, than football and athletics. And uh, I really have no idea as to why, um, I won't need to do a bit of reading post that, but uh, why a sport like cycling would would thrive so much and he's not he's by far uh, by by no stretch the first uh, professional cyclist to come out of the country either uh, he, mm. he it seems like he's on a real um, he won a classic in Belgium back in March first black African to win a classic uh, we've spoken about really well doing but reading about him um, this afternoon good sprinter tactically aware like with a bit of a future like it doesn't seem like this is kind of a this is just an outlier uh, result and hopefully, like you say, like look, I I would like to know why uh, Eritrea is putting such an emphasis on cycling. Yeah, apparently, Do you know what I mean. Apparently, like, for, yeah, for such a poor. Apparently, Asmara just has a lot of bicycles and um, it obviously has the road network to actually support it, which I, I guess is probably an issue in a lot of African cities where, um, as well as maybe, you know, poverty in a lot of uh, cities, it's just the road network necessarily isn't there or the culture. Um, but it really, really, uh, mm. if, you, if you can watch the Giro back on Eurosport later, it's fantastic watch. You don't have to have any interest in cycling. What's in the news? 
Well, let's start, uh, Johnny, with tonight's football action. And Liverpool can close the gap to Premier League leaders Manchester City to a single point with one game left to go in the Premier League season. Jurgen Klopp's side are at St Mary's for a meeting with Southampton. Liverpool, of course, go into that game off the back of their win over Chelsea in the FA Cup final at the weekend. And Jurgen Klopp believes their Wembley triumph takes the pressure off as they chase Premier League and Champions League titles over the coming weeks. We feel the responsibility as as a team of um, Liverpool FC that we that we have to win trophies. So it feels much better that we won already, to to be honest. Uh, and the FA Cup is obviously a massive um, a massive competition, and and winning it and uh, it makes it a really is really felt really big, absolutely big. Um, so it just takes pressure off the, of the whole thing. That's what makes it more enjoyable. And that's Jurgen Klopp speaking ahead of tonight's match. And we can cross over to St Mary's now to get the team news. Here's Richard Newman. We already knew Liverpool would be without Mohamed Salah and Virgil van Dijk for the trip to Southampton, but Jurgen Klopp makes nine changes compared with a team which started the FA Cup win over Chelsea. Only goalkeeper Alisson and Ibrahima Konate keep their places. Easier then to read out the starting lineup. Alisson's in goal. It's a back four with Joe Gomez, Joel Matip, Konate, and Konstantinos Simikas. James Milner, Curtis Jones, and Harvey Elliott make up the midfield with a front three of Takumi Minamino, Diego Jota and Roberto Firmino. There's not even any place on the bench for Trent Alexander-Arnold or Sadio Mane, but Luis Diaz is there. Southampton make five changes compared with the team which lost 3-0 at Brentford. Alex McCarthy replaces Fraser Forster in goal. He's out of contract soon. In come Jack Stevens, Mo Alianusi, Lanko and Nathan Teller. Now, Liverpool must not lose to keep the title race alive. This one starts at 7.45. Yeah, well, it must not lose to keep the title race alive. It's must not lose to keep the Stevie G wins the title for Liverpool finally and Art arrives isn't that right Carl? Yeah that's right Yeah, I mean it's been it's been a crazy season hasn't it I mean nine changes tonight as well just underlines where they're at at the moment and Van Dijk and, and uh, Salah obviously picking up knocks at the weekend as well and they're not actually in the squad this evening uh, as flagged by Jurgen Klopp ahead of the game so I mean I hope it does go to the final day because it's just been such a remarkable season that it feels like at this stage it'd be a pity if it didn't. I have a feeling, Adrian, just for some reason, as Carl mentioned all this, I have a feeling it just might actually fall tonight. Oh, really? Mm, it's just, there's so many Come changes. On. No, 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 no. I, 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 I am certain, as certain as you can be, that Liverpool go back to thirds against that Southampton team, Johnny. They have fallen to shreds. Absolute shreds. They, these lads, right, have basically close to secured safety since February imagine right and since then I see I see um, a clip and I haven't actually heard the clip other than Zealand Twitter of um, Jamie Carragher saying that their confidence is shot it looks to me like they've just packed up shop since right. February they, they beat Spurs and drew with United as far back as that since then would you believe across March April and May to date they've picked up a grand total of five points and three of those were against the mighty Arsenal. So um, they, I think they've packed up shop. I do think that Liverpool, that team is plenty good to be the vast majority of other teams in the Premier League that they've put out tonight. I oh. felt actually could have given Al Cuivin a run, to be honest with you. Yeah, Al Cuivin, although thankfully he's still young Cuivin for his career. Yeah. But uh, what else we got, Carl? Yeah, other football action tonight. Uh, Johnny Nottingham Forest take a 2-1 lead into the second leg of their English Championship playoff semi-final with Sheffield United. There's a quarter to eight start for that one at the City Ground and the winners will take on Huddersfield Town in the decider to play in the Premier League uh, next season. In Gala Games news, the GA and GPA have agreed a framework over expenses for the 2022 season. Intercounty players will receive mild 
mileage for four training sessions a week and the limit on squad numbers eligible for expenses has also been eased. The standoff over the expenses issue in recent months saw players refuse to engage in media duties while some managers also boycotted interviews before and after matches and a new charter will be put in place uh, for next year. While just to refer back to the Talchin Cup, the GA President Larry McCarthy says it was never really a possibility to hold the Talchin Cup final on the same day as the All-Ireland Football Final. Many have advanced the notion of the new competition's final being the curtain raiser to the biggest game in the football calendar but the GA has fixed the final for the 9th of July, that's Saturday the 9th. That's 15 days before the All-Ireland decided this year, McCarthy says. It may not have received the spotlight it deserves had it been held on the same day. I'm not, I'm not necessarily into golf but this stuff about McIlroy and Mickelson and the whole Saudi thing is mad. Yeah, so Rory McIlroy says it's sad and unfortunate that Phil Mickelson is not in the field for this week's US PGA Championship. Mickelson won't be defending his title at Southern Hills as he continues his break from the game. The six-time major winner hasn't featured on tour since controversial comments relating to the Saudi-backed golf league and Saudi Arabia's human rights record. Speaking ahead of this week's major, McIlroy says he has no desire to get involved with the proposed new tour. I think now at this point it's just so it's just so toxic to talk about that for me it's more of a self-preservation thing. Like I I, I don't need to get involved. I, I'm not going to get involved. Um, and I I love being my own boss. I I certainly wouldn't want Greg Norman to be telling me what to do and where to show up and when to be there. And so I'm I'm happy to do my own thing and be my own boss. And that's a that's a big part of it. Mad stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess Phil Mickelson was initially in the field. He had entered and then he pulled out uh, last week. Um, in other news from the PGA Championship, some of the groupings uh, have been confirmed and Rory McIlroy's in an absolute blockbuster uh, three ball because he's been paired with Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth for the opening two rounds at Southern Hills. Woods meanwhile says he's feeling much stronger as he plays for the second time following the car accident he was involved in last year. Of course he made his comeback at the Masters uh, to good effect as well last month and Spieth of course is chasing the career Grand Slam, the US PGA the only major title he is yet to win. As for Shane Larry, he'll be playing with uh, Brooks Kepka and Adam Scott. Porrick Harrington goes off alongside Stuart Sink and Jason Duffner while Seamus Power is alongside Russell Knox and Scott Stallings. Yeah, and just just a final one there on um, Colin Whelan, um, who's like this starlet UCD striker who's been strongly linked to move away. If not Shamrock Rovers, certainly a move away. Yeah. And it's not good news at all for him today. No, it's not. He uh, looks for set for a spell on the sidelines. That's due to a serious knee injury. The Republic of Ireland under-21 international ruptured his cruciate ligament in last week's win over Finn Harps. Whelan, who has been linked with a move to England and other clubs here in Ireland as well, is now set to miss Ireland's under-21 qualifiers in June as well. And UCD, of course, currently bottom of the SSE Airtricity League Premier Division. So it's a big blow for club and country. Oh, massive blow and massive blow for him personally. Thanks, Carl. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Johnny.